Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I am Mikey. And we're joined today by Mallory O'Mara. Say hello, Mallory. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Oh, so excited to have you on. Um, we we connected because Ross, past guest of this show, um, put me in touch with you because you are Max Fun Podcasters together. And he's like, you know who you should have on your show. Hmm. Her name's Mallory. She's great. So, and she's very obsessed with Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Very into Twin Peaks. We it took us a little while to find a date that worked for everybody because you've been working on a book? Question mark. Yeah, I'm an author, and I just finished my uh, my second book. Okay, so um, we are going to go ahead and jump in. Um, Mallory, do you did you just watch on Netflix, or do you happen to have the discs? Uh, I oh, have Twin both. Uh, I'm sort of always in a Twin Peaks rewatch. It is my comfort watch, and I'm just yeah. sort of always watching at some point. Uh, I, I was actually glad when uh, you asked me to do this particular episode because I was coming up on it in my in my re- my rewatch. Mm-hmm. So it was perfect timing. Did you did you have to skip any to watch it then? No, I just don't, I just keep watching them. I uh, nice. I re- <laughs> like people joke. We were like, oh, wow, yeah, Mallory's really obsessed with Twin Peaks, but I'm just like, that's all I ever want to watch. Like, I don't watch a lot of other yeah. TV. I really just watch Twin Peaks over and over again. <laughs> so, yeah, so let's let's go there first, then okay. before we actually jump into the episode. Where did this start for you? When did you get on board? What's your introduction to this Twin Peaks world? Uh, so I actually used to be a filmmaker for many years, and I was working on a project with a friend of mine, and he said, okay, great, you know, I'm really excited to do this thing with you, but you can't, we can't make a film together until you watch a David Lynch movie, because I had never seen anything David Lynch, and I said, okay, sure, and uh, I watched Eraserhead first, and I fell in love, and I just started watching everything David Lynch, and um, I got to Twin Peaks, and I was like, cool, well, this is it, this is the love of my life, and I just became completely, completely, completely obsessed, and that was back in 20... 15 I want to say 2014 and oh, okay. uh so I got to I got kind of in before the return happened and yeah twin didn't David Lynch is my favorite filmmaker and now I have multiple Twin Peaks tattoos mm. my old apartment used to you know my bedroom was decorated like the Black Lodge like oh it is God. Twin Peaks is my jam <laughs> nice and I I I you know there's something for like I love it when it, you know, getting introduced to it while it was on and it was so great. But like getting to a point now where like time has passed and it still holds up where you can watch a show like Mm -hmm. this 25 years after the fact and still have it resonate that hard. I There's something special about that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the thing that gives it so much longevity is that we'll never know there are no right answers with with twin peaks like there's no right Mm -hmm. answers with anything david lynch and he and i like that about it and frustrates a lot of people and he loves to give very vague and cryptic answers to things and talk about how he doesn't even know the answers to some of these things but i really believe that that ambiguity lets us project so much of our own ideas into it and it's sort of it's like an everlasting gobstopper of art you know it just (laughs) never you always find something new when you watch it you always and depending on where you are in your life and your own life experiences you connect to different characters you you think about something new a new theory and uh, i never want answers i never want david lynch to tell us anything about twin (laughs) peace (laughs) 
yeah yeah and it's yeah that's it's it yeah fits everybody it's mm-hmm. it's it is the missing puzzle piece for everybody it seems well, like and it's also an interesting show that once you get something in your head you kind of see it everywhere so like you yeah. mentioned at some point doppelgangers or like david lynch loves like pairs of things mm-hmm. and duality then, and, duality yeah. and then all i could see is like oh there's two mics oh there's two of this oh or mm-hmm. is the server the same as the yeah. uh, the giant like all that stuff. and so like that was kind of my my headspace this watch so this is um mallory mikey first saw it when he was 10 when it was first oh um, god and, little, it was like 12 okay he was like that's 12, still a so he weird time to watch twin peaks <laughs> no, 11 11 actually 11, he, it yeah. ruined he, oh his absolutely life. it was that's where my obsession came came in is that it was this like all consuming fear for me that in order to I think overcome that fear mm-hmm. I had to figure out everything I could about it and just like watch it obsessively and learn all about it and all this mm-hmm. yeah and I f- I feel like that was how I had to I had to learn to appreciate it in order to like get over the fear of it. That's yeah, fascinating. Well, and it's been an interesting experience for us both because this is the first time either of us has like watched it one episode per week as opposed to sitting well, I down. I have, and... but have you? Yeah, I mean, more or less. But yeah. But anyway, so it's been kind of an interesting way to watch it, where you just watch one episode, digest that episode, mm-hmm. and then move on to the next. Whereas normally, it's like, okay, we're going to watch two or three episodes in a sitting. I've, I've never really watched it this analytically before, yeah. though. I'll give you that. It's, I actually uh, think this works better as being able to uh, digest it piece by piece because it's so much and it's so strange yeah. that uh, it's not, I mean, it's definitely bingeable. As I, speaking as someone who's definitely watched many episodes at a time on many occasions, but I think getting to mm-hmm. sit with something and really think about it and set yourself up for the next chunk of it is the way to do this. Um, yeah. That's why I was really happy when The Return came out you know it was it was fun tv was fun again for a summer you know to get excited to watch it every week very excited about that same thing when they announced that they're releasing it one at a time i was very excited about that yeah you're stoked about that um okay so let's jump in um so the reason i asked you i assume you know about the log lady intros mallory uh oh Um, the uh, is it something to you with your podcast or you mean the intros to the show to the show. To yes, the- yes, yes, I love them. <laughs> Don't you know our special segment, Matt? No, um, <laughs> it's just the, the long lady. Enters. Audio stinger enters now. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so we've been reading through those because if you watch it on like Netflix or whatever, they're not going to have this. So we've been reading through um, the long lady this intros and then. Pretty spot on. Yeah. There's um, not, a, not, a, not a lot of room for interpretation with this yeah. one. So she says, and now an ending. Where there was once one, there are now two. Or were there always two? What is a reflection? A chance to see two? When there are chances for reflections, there can always be two or more. Only when we are everywhere will there be just one. It has been a pleasure speaking to you. Which broke my heart at the end. Uh, I don't know if I've ever Catherine seen Coulson. this. Uh. And like the zoom in on her face and her eye was was yeah. a lot. I love it, her so much, and she yeah. is she's particularly. I, I love her moment in this episode, even though it's very short. Oh, uh-huh. oh, she's so good, um, and I feel like this. Of, I mean, obviously Lynch couldn't have known that she was I'm not going to survive that that long but like you can just feel his love for that oh they and this. they're they're like best, best friends, friends right? so like they were really good she did 
a ton of work with so Eraserhead was like his first feature yeah she was the AD on it yeah she did and was like the only person who stuck through him because that that project took Lynch five years yeah several years to complete and she's like one of the only people who started on the project and finished on the project the cinematographer changed the editors changed Mm -hmm. all this stuff like kept changing because he was making it all up on the fly more or less and (laughs) she and she you know, kept with him the entire time, which is really, really cool. Right. Okay, so I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to try to burn through the non-Black Lodge stuff. Which is um, funny, because that's that's where all I, ha- I have all the notes that I took, and then they get inside the Red Room, and I just stop. stop cause I just yeah, there's enthralled. no point in taking I just notes. get lost in Yeah, I just get yeah. lost in it, yeah. Um, so we have a couple, a couple plot lines that we wrap up with the bow. Andy and Lucy console each other. Um, they say they love each other. They're gonna raise this this kid Total together. Soap opera Michael Sarah. Like the, <laughs> this kid, face. Michael Sarah. I'm just so excited to watch that scene again. Um, he, their kid comes back in in uh, in series three. Um, Annie was kidnapped by Wyndham Earl. Cooper, Harry, and Hawk are staring at the map as Cooper mumbles, "Fire, walk with me." Pete Martell enters this police station, accusing the log lady of stealing his truck. <laughs> so good. Um, I that's I think part of what I lo- like you mentioned Mallory the this is a great little scene for Log Lady I love it too because it's also Pete Martell who I have so much love for Jack Nance who is another yes. longtime oh, so Lynch uh, Lynch gang member and this scene and is so is so wonderful they just were like married for a time too oh who yeah 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 Catherine, Catherine Coulson, Coulson and Jack, Jack Nance. Nance. What? Yeah. What a pleasant couple! Yeah, yes. yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah, they get uh, no, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I did when she walked in with the glass. I hadn't seen this since right before the, the return. The log lady stole my truck. I definitely <laughs> thought she was holding the log and then holding a tinier vertical log. <laughs> <laughs> Her log had a baby. Yes, a little baby log. Yeah, um, I, I love it because in the midst of this like scene that is clearly very dark and connected to the greater mythology of the show is this like one little moment where Pete... Is just like trying to report his truck being stolen, and it's like such a pedestrian small town thing. <laughs> you don't realize that it's connected to this like horrifying, larger, darker horror. And and he enters the scene as though this is, is so, like this is grand it. theft. <laughs> oh yeah, terrible. they're trying to solve like, like kidnapping and murder, and he's right. just like bursts on bursts in there with his like perfect Jack Nance swagger like, just like oh yeah. great everybody's gathered here so I can tell them about my truck which is clearly the most <laughs> important thing in the world right now Grand Theft Auto The log lady stole my truck and not only the truck but I had 12 rainbow, rainbow trout, trout in that truck the rainbow <laughs> trout um <laughs> Uh, okay, so Cooper informs Pete that it was Wyndham Earl in disguise. The lug lady arrives and says her husband gave her a bottle of oil from a gateway in the woods. The jar smells like scorched engine oil. Hawk brings in Runat Pulaski, who we haven't seen in a hot minute. He, Lynch brings back a lot of introductory characters. Yeah, this is like the reunion episode. You can tell yeah. as and soon as the credits roll in, it's like everybody is in the credits. Yeah. It feel, yeah, it feels like by the end of this, it was like, don't don't remember this show for the meandering 
Mm-hmm. in season two remember the show for what it was when you started watching it you loved like they even bring back there's the little scene with Shelly and Bobby and Heidi the waitress oh my god that they, they almost verbatim reenact the this, scene, this right? scene yeah. in the pilot and it's just such a great like remember this show where it started when you fell in love with it it's like it's please great, just forget that entire weird storyline yeah. with James like pretend the second half of the, se- of the second season didn't happen yeah. let's just get back to what Twin Peaks yeah. is and he pulls back all these great characters and not James well I love that I mean I don't know how he would have used him but well, we we were last last uh, we were wrong last week. You thought it was the last um, appearance of Leo. One brief and we clip, got to and see. it's a shot from that. Well, we got to see Leo doing some teeth acting. Yeah, it's which... no, but it's no new footage. It's all right. it's a clip from the previous episode. But yeah. Um. So anyway, Ronette Pulaski reappears. She recognizes the smell from the night of Laura Palmer's murder. Uh, it's it's also worth noting as we're going through this. Um, and most of this information for me comes from, have you, Mallory, have you read The Essential Wrapped in Plastic, the John Thorne book? No, but I was actually going to ask if you guys have read the Mark Frost books that go with this. I have. I have. So Mikey is like a diehard fan. He's read all the shit. I Jess is supportive. I'm here and I like to hear myself talk. Um, but we went to Twin Peaks Fest in 2018, right? Was that when we went? Uh, yeah. 18. 18. Oh, that's a fun year um, to go. It yeah. was so much fun. I yeah, it, was, ugh, it, was, it great. was great. But, but Mikey but, has read. Yeah, so a lot the of essential stuff. wrapped in plastic is essentially a collection of essays and analysis from, from the magazine. From the magazine wrapped in plastic, and he basically there's some new information and new uh, things written in it, but it's basically just a collection of the best analysis from the wrapped in plastic magazines that were printed at the time that the show aired. But this particular segment where they talk about this episode is fantastic and they they talk about there were right like three or four scripts lists writ, written and you know updated and whatever and then basically on day of david lynch just threw it out so huh. and they went through and listed all the scenes that were like in it or the changes to scenes we do see and how they were scripted differently and how different they were and when we get into the fourth act of all the stuff in the red room uh-huh. i'll talk about what they had scripted and it's like a cheeseball horror movie really so it's completely different completely because david lynch different. didn't write this episode it was mark frost he doesn't get any credit for it but it all came from he, his brain if you read uh, yeah, catching the big fish and, and read more about yeah. david lynch's writing process i just kind of love his uh, his process of like taking his lunch break, meditating for a while and coming out and be like, okay, well, we're going to do something completely different. And here we go. Yeah. I love it. And that's basically what this episode is, is just what he wanted to do at the time he wanted to do it. And I guess we have a script to be some guidance, but some of the guys were kind of peeved because a lot of the stuff that happens in this episode goes almost directly against some of the stuff that they were building to. In previous episodes. You mean that Like long... Peyton and Angles and all this stuff, but like... You mean the long cares? plot that was inevitably going to end <laughs> yeah, up with, it... <laughs> with Audrey Horn but tying herself to a But what episodes are we talking about right now? Yeah. Like, and, but, and we're talking about the finale, not the five episodes leading up to the finale. Oh, you know what I mean? So many of them are so bad. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, uh, Wyndham Earl arrives in the dark, wooded grove with Annie, who begins reciting Psalm 51 NIV, Mikey? Which is the uh, scariest moment in this entire episode. Wyndham Earl dragging her through the woods and her, because then that's the moment where you're like, oh God, Annie used to be a nun. It's the moment that you remember that about her past. Yeah. And her whispering that. legitimately hits her head on that glass really hard. Like, think that was I, I don't think it was intentional, but he hit her head against that car window. Yeah, she was. Del- I, I've been a little critical of Heather Graham as an actor, but she I thought she brought it. But it's again, it's David Lynch can pull out these performances in people like mm-hmm. James is a pretty weak actor through most of this series. The David Lynch directed episodes and Fire Walk With Me. He's fantastic. Yeah. Like he there's he gets to he knows how to pull things out in people. And I don't know what he does. But he gets it. Like, her performance in this episode, albeit small, mm-hmm. is fantastic. I wonder if it has something to do with, like, Lynch's inherent vulnerability of the fact that he's really trying to... Tr- he'll try whatever. And do you think that translates to the I performances th- of, like... Listen, I think he's just really nice. Swing. People... Lo- yeah. I mean, they, I'm not joking. Like, he, ta- he talks if uh, in, in some of the things he's written about his own, uh, like, Lynch on Lynch and... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, what's his memoir? Uh, Room to Dream. Uh, he talks a lot about how he works really hard to foster an environment where actors are happy. You know, there's the Kubricks of the world mm-hmm. that like to sort of torture a, a performance out of you. Yeah. But David Lynch is very dedicated to to what does he say? He wants actors to be like happy puppies, wagging their tails, going to set. And I think that <laughs> that sort of uh, environment where someone is so supportive and so encouraging and so willing to try new things pulls things out of actors that might not be they might not normally feel comfortable enough to to do right any any the direction that he gives tends to be very open-ended so like it's a lot of like here's the ideas that are in your mind and not I need it to be harsher, or I need it to be... Or give them a line rating. For yeah, them to just he's, not, he's never going to do that. He's going to give you things to think about while you're doing that. And if they're responding to that, it, he knows how to pull that out. It's it's incredible, I think. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we're back. I'll, I'll notice a thing that I thought about, or that I noticed, and I don't know the... I mean, I'm I'm sure it's intentional because David Lynch doesn't seem like an accidental director. Mm-hmm. But that truck, as it pulls up, is missing a taillight. This is the, the when Winter Merle has Winter Merle's truck. Um, Annie in the me. truck, uh-huh. and he pulls up, and he's about to head in into the woods. And my and I started thinking about that this time. This is the first time I've ever thought about it. It's something I've always noticed but never thought about. And I started thinking about it. And my wonder is if it has anything to do with taillights are a thing that always come in pairs. Mm. And Window Merle has no duality right now. He I mean, that's the beauty of Twin Peaks, either. though, is that it co- totally could be that, or it co- totally could, it could be just be an old truck. Accent. Like that's yeah. what that's exactly. what gives the show life is that there's yeah. so many yeah. moments in this series, you know, notably in the pilot, you know, the blinking light when they're giving uh, doing mm-hmm. an autopsy on mm-hmm. Laura Palmer was t- totally an accident, even though it's such a massive yeah. part of yep. the tone and the atmosphere of that scene. 
Uh, and that's mm-hmm. what's great about this is that maybe, who knows, maybe they pulled the truck up and someone was like, oh no, there's only one taillight. And David Lynch was like, great, I love it, go with it. Like, it could be could be both. Finally, yeah. <laughs> inspiration. It's, it's great. But I just, I feel like there's something there. And it's the same thing with like, it was 12 trout and 12 sycamore trees. Mm. Like there's, everything has a connection it's it's like a conspiracy theorist dream (laughs) it it truly is i wish the war i wish the people who don't believe in vaccinations and think the earth is flat would just like get really into twin peaks instead yeah Yeah, figure this out for us post this on QAnon, and they'll just go nuts and leave the rest of us alone was this taillight on purpose (laughs) yes to focus your powers on that and not you know bringing polio back love it Okay, so we're back at the Hurley house. We have Ed, Norma, and Doc Hayward. Um, He's bandaging Nadine and Mike, which I loved their, like, cartoon-style bandages. Sorry, just one thing I wanted to mention, too, of, like, I love that because they established that fear and love open the doors. But since Windermere, to the the Black Lodge or whatever, since Windermere is not afraid of the Black Lodge, it's something he's seeking. That's why he's bringing Annie because Annie she's is now afraid. terrified. Yeah, she's, she's the key. Making sure she is, he is afraid, or she is afraid. And then when they cross into the circle of the trees, she just snaps and all of a sudden becomes a tool and becomes mm-hmm. flat face. Like, yeah. and it's it's a beautiful use of that because like, what is it? You hear Major Briggs say that earlier: fear and love open the doors. What does that fucking mean? And then you see it enacted, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I get it now. Like that makes sense. Anyway, I liked it. No, it's great. I think it's uh, it's a so much of the show as a whole is I think a brilliant satire and a commentary on just like uh you know how young women in particular uh, are used in this country and you know it's funny so many so many uh, TV shows came after this like you know there's this like the trope of the dead girl starting the story and uh-huh. uh, that women mm-hmm. are used in that way as literal tools so much in this show mm-hmm. and it's such a, a perfect way to show truly the evil of that mm-hmm. yeah absolutely you know a term I just learned recently because I'm an old I guess and I don't know things anymore have you ever, Mallory? Have you ever heard the term the term "fridged"? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this show is a is a fridge. Full. So a fridge, Mikey is. I, I think it relates to comics, which is not my jam. But yeah, it's no, like, I'm old. No, Mikey's <laughs> older than. Maybe Mallory, you might be able to explain it better than me. So fr- fr- fridging is basically when you uh, in- introduce a f- interesting, awesome, fantastic female character and immediately kill her. And then, like, it's more she, she, her death is the impetus for other things. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've it's never, I've never heard that. But, but it's so common. It's such a yeah, good oh, yeah, absolutely. use for that. I've heard just kill the girlfriend, but that's yeah, that's. A but I mean, precise. so much. That's what's amazing about this show is that Laura Palmer, I think, is the greatest character ever created for television because the show starts with her being huh. dead, and she is the force that pushes this entire show. And it's such a great mm-hmm. commentary on the way that we treat women. And I, I will never go as far as to say that I think that David Lynch is a feminist filmmaker, but I think that there's a lot of people that get quote unquote inspiration from Twin Peaks and are sort of more playing into the things that he's making fun of. Uh, yeah. Well, I think he's a realist filmmaker. I, and I, I I mean, 
surrealist, I guess, yeah. too. But I was going to say, real, how like, much reality do you think is, is in, going in on the here? Way that, but like, Mike's constantly on in, drugs, so in an emotional <laughs> state, the way he writes women, I feel like is very real. Mm-hmm. It's grounded in a place of reality, and they're used as human beings and not as tools and not yeah well i i think from hearing about like the way he gives direction which i've kind of heard that a little bit too mallory that he's very kind and and it's almost like he's the antithesis of toxic masculinity when it comes to uh, when it comes to filmmaking that like he's an anti-kubrick like whereas kubrick beat the shit out of shelly duvall or whatever wait shelly duvall did i get that right yeah yeah okay or like Bertolucci or somebody. Yeah, who like you know scared the shit out of her on The Shining, and uh, and um, he can get these performances from them that are less violent but still really emotional because he gives them the space to do that. Whereas, an interesting book I'll recommend too if you, it just came out recently. Um, Courtney Stallings put together a. It's basically a collection oh yeah of from Fayetteville Press. Yeah, Laura's, yeah, Laura's Ghost. It's mm-hmm basically tackling that idea it's it's twin peaks specifically but david lynch to some extent from the point of view of women and it's did you read the, the collection that they uh previously released with uh, the women of lynch the, the blue rose mag stuff no it's, it's a collection by the same um by the same oh, publisher I think, I, I think that's i think that's i think the, the blue rose magazine i think that's a could their connection the collection of the same thing i think uh, well, no, because I have an essay in it. It's a book. It's a oh. <laughs> it's a book called it's a book called The Women of Lynch, and it's a collection from Fayetteville Press. And that woman, oh. Courtney, the author yeah. of the new Laura Palmer book, has an has an essay in there. Um, but it's all uh, essays about the women awesome. of David Lynch's work. I have an essay about Norma in there. Um, but it's it's a real it's a it's a fun um it's a fun way to 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 hear women talking about women the women of lynch yeah that's good to know i thought that it was just a like re-release of the essays that were written for blue rose mag no it's a brand new it's a uh, brand new interesting is that what you're good to know is that what you're reading right now or is that something else no, that's okay. So it's two the, different things. Yeah. That's three okay. different things. Looks like someone's gonna read three books this year. His <laughs> name's Michael. Um, okay, so we're at the Hurley House. We have Ed, Norma, Doc. Um, speaking of Norma. Speaking of Norma, my oh. favorite, favorite. Heartbreaking. This scene, she she does very little in the scene and steals it from me. Oh my god. Well, and I came into this thinking that the Nadine is a teenager is the least interesting, most annoying subplot of season two. But I really, I don't know if it was watching it at this pace or like thinking about her every week, but I super dug the character, her, mm-hmm. the journey her character went on. Well, it's um, funny because it actually ends up setting you up for the do- the, the changing personalities of, of Cooper, of Annie, of everything. Like you, again, you think it's some sort of like silly, funny thing, which it is. I mean, Nadine is hilarious. This whole subplot is hilarious. Her, her, the, her and Mike falling in love with each other is hilarious. Um, but it, it has an undercurrent of darkness because you are rooting for, for Big N and Norma, like Big N and Norma forever. Yeah. And all of a sudden she pot, she gets hit and comes out of it and becomes a different Nadine. Uh, bringing mm-hmm. so much sadness to both Ed and uh, Norma, and yeah, that, that all of a sudden, and then Cooper does the same thing later in the episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's such a good point. Um, 
I also really liked Nadine and Mike both have their heads bandaged up, and it's like a Looney Tunes situation yeah. where oh, it's, it's just so like ridiculous. wrapped around their head. Which is also a weird moment, too, because... Why did he get hit in the head? He didn't. Bobby did. Like, it's... it's <laughs> he had sympathy pain. <laughs> that's one of those things where Lynch was just like, I, I don't care, I want it to be Mike it's, now. It's funnier if they both have Yeah. It. Yeah, so. I just, I kind of love that, though. I mean, there's a, there's a few yeah. different moments like that when uh, a little bit on when Cooper goes into the Black Lodge all of a sudden he loses his coat because he's mm. wearing his coat I mean, when he steps in yeah, and he's just in his suit true. when he gets into the Black Lodge or uh, into the um, t- into the Red Room and the I just room. love it David Lynch is like I don't care <laughs> this is how I want it to look that <laughs> yeah. continuity nobody cares um, yeah. so and there's a lot of reference to head injury in this episode yes the um, two of them on the couch Ben obviously Cooper at the end mm-hmm. like um okay so I'm gonna leave behind so Nadine regains her sense of self breaks up or whatever with Mike who apologizes he's definitely okay okay Mallory who's in the wrong here Mike who has taken advantage of a woman with a head injury or Nadine who is a 35 year old fucking a 17 year old who's the bigger monster well that's a do we know that Mike is 17 do we know that he's not of age <laughs> He's. I, I think I'm under the impression everyone is of age. Is but exactly eighteen. Yeah, is eighteen or Shelley? I think is nineteen. But okay, so that definitely makes him the monster because at least like if he was also, younger, like, Nadine was mentally ill. Yeah, she always was. Yeah, but so why would she? Why would it be her fault? Because, I mean, if She's not a is, monster for being mentally ill. No, but if he was underage and then started dating a high schooler at the age of 35, If anything, it's, not it's the enablers around Nadine. It's Doc Hayward saying, play along with it. Yeah, there's <laughs> it, not a lot There's of a lot of ambiguity there. There's a yeah. lot of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, that's, I, I think that's that's right. It's Doc Hayward, like, why were you like, yeah, dude, just, <laughs> just go with it. <laughs> You're a real Cur- doctor, Curveball, right? the monster's Doc Hayward. <laughs> um, speaking of whom, back at the Hayward house, Donna, Ben, Eileen, all yelling at each other. Every, everyone's, even Sylvia, a rare appearance yeah, by Sylvia. Sylvia Horn back in. For, Which I, <laughs> no one knows I, why she's there. We thought, I think we decided halfway through season two that they were either divorced or she had like mystery, because she just drops the fuck out of yeah. this show at yeah. some point. I assume that they were separated because they obviously do not have a happy marriage. They uh, they probably being the horns. They probably have multiple properties. She probably has another another place to go. And this scene is so weird because it kind of it's that balance that Twin Peaks strikes where I feel like this episode was so so heavy on the darkness and the mythology that Mark Frost was like we got to put some soap opera mm-hmm. shit in there or it's going to be too unbalanced <laughs> so it, but it, mm-hmm. so much of this show is about the darkness inside the normal American home and I think it's an interesting dichotomy to see all this all the stuff that's going on in the red room with just like your everyday normal uh-huh. secrets and darkness that are happening in a normal home yeah, for sure. And I also like to think that because the horns are so rich, they have uh, what I call rich people bullshit of like, they just live in different houses and that's how they're married. And like, that's what rich people can do. I they have wouldn't be surprised if they, yeah, like just an open they're marriage. not necessarily separated, but that's fine. We don't need to yeah, We have separate lives. Yeah. Um, then Doc but Hayward. But yeah, I, it's again, it's just Lynch wanting 
Jan Darcy to come back <laughs> and He'll make it work. I, yeah. What scene can I put her in? Let's put her in the Ben Horn scene. It's per- <laughs> that she's related to that somehow, kind of. Yeah. But I want her in it again because, like, it uh, it almost feels like a, like a thank you or a love letter to the mm-hmm. people who helped him kick this off. As Mallory said, like a reunion episode. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Doc Hayward punches Ben. Ben slams his head in the fireplace. It is kind of nice to see Doc Hayward throw down in this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Sweet Doc Hayward. (laughs) And then drop to his knees, like, fists in the air with the... "Ah!" I mean, we all wanted to watch Ben Horn get punched in the face this entire show, so Uh it it kind of feels nice to see Doc Hayward do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Doc Hayward is so frequently sort of our eye in the hurricane because everything mm-hmm. is bonkers going around him, and he's like, "Well, I don't mm-hmm. know, just wrap her head up in gauze, and I guess she'll be fine." Um, okay, into the red room. Cooper walks in the mysterious red curtain room from his dream. There are couches, a zigzag pattern on the floor, and some statues. I'm reading this off uh, Mallory TwinPeaks.fandom.com. Sometimes the writing is good. Usually it is not. Mm, um, I don't <laughs> know that it ever is sometimes. The man from another place. It's for free, so... These I know, people are I'm just heroes. saying. They're okay. heroes, Michael. <laughs> the man from another place dances into the room, sits on an old chair. A man sings a sad jazz tune oh, as strobe This scene flicker. is... Incredible. This, this person's voice, I was not sure. They, like, I liked that this person was kind of like gender ambiguous to me. Hmm. I love this vocal performance. It's, it's incredible. So haunting. It's it's my favorite musical moment in the amazing musical moments of all of Twin Peaks. Yeah, it, this song is just incredible, and it's also one of what's interesting is uh, Cooper does speaks forward uh-huh. in the Black Lodge. If it's the Black Lodge, I don't even know. I, well, I think, to me, say. the Red Room is the, they say it's the, wa- I think it's the waiting room between the, the Black room. Lodge and the White all Lodge. Of it is. I, what's oh, you think it's both? I think, well, I think it's the waiting room between. I think uh, the Red Room yeah. is the place you go. Some Sometimes you go to the White Lodge, sometimes you go to the Black Lodge. And I think it's sort of right. like, a, like there's a turnstile where people from the Black Lodge can come in. Mm. People, Because, I mean, the giant is from the White Lodge, for sure. But Bob is definitely yeah. from the Black Lodge. And I think it's just sort of the in-between yeah. place. That's that's the vibe I've always gotten. I've, I've always felt the same way that this is, he says, this is the waiting room. And that this is a purgatory of sorts it's a waiting and they they also say too that like to the the key to the black lodge is a certain time when saturn and jupiter aligned or whatever so like you're waiting for a specific time when you can enter Mm -hmm. i don't know that we ever see the black lodge no i don't think i don't think we do we never see the black lodge we never see the white lodge we only see because again, one, something that I find really interesting uh, is the idea that the Red Room, it, it, everything about the Twin Peaks mythology is like kind of a cosmic entity's weird way of translating itself into human uh-huh. stuff. It's like, oh, what are humans like? Uh, chairs, uh, weird statues. This looks like a living room, right? <laughs> like it's like their their weird way of of, of interpreting themselves an as a human. What I like that I had never noticed in this scene is, so normally I don't like the use of strobe lights um, because I just think it feels like shorthand for like, you're supposed to feel bad now. So we're (laughs) going to turn on strobe lights. 
Um, however, what I thought it was interesting is the it wasn't like a one light strobe light. Yeah. So it was on and off. I loved that there were clearly different strobes. So you'd see It the looks shadows. like characters are moving. Yeah. And like once in a while, a shadow would appear. And it's like, oh, yeah. no, no, no. That's just the statue. He'll, but it looks like a person. You'll see a, a straight on close up and it'll look like four different angles. Oh, it's so and creepy. And it shows that multiple, everybody's a fractured character. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. Um. Okay, I'm gonna skim over the Audrey stuff and the Twin Peaks saving. Do you though? Why? Absolutely, Del Mibler is. It's so silly. It's very. It's, it's just so like, David Lynch. It's so and David Lynch. Middle, it's so weird. Like the weird moment where you see the glasses fly off into the trees. Like <laughs> it's just. It's it's that weird. So, like I. Audrey Horn is one of those characters that I started hating when I first started watching it. And now I would die for Audrey Horn. And I think she got done wrong. And I love this like weird moment of her just trying to make, trying to right the wrongs of her family, but Mm -hmm. being sort Mm -hmm. of unable to escape it because she's a horn. Mm -hmm. Huh. There. Yeah. You're right. She did get done dirty in this this show. They didn't know what to do with her. And it was a bunch of writers that were not, Mark Frost and David Lynch and what's her ex-boyfriend with the wig's name? <laughs> Billy Zane. Oh, Billy John Zane. John Jacob. We- John- I love him. Oh. I was just about to ask for a quick thumbs up, thumbs down. I was not. I adore like, him. Do you like him because of the wig or in spite of the wig? <laughs> uh, because of the wig. Okay, because of the sweaters or in spite of the sweaters. <laughs> oh, because uh, he is my dream boy. I think he is the hottest character in Twin Peaks. No question. I will say, even though it's a wiggy wig wig, he looks great. <laughs> he looks incredible. <laughs> I love him. Billy Zane. I am a huge Billy Zane fan. And I one of my great disappointments is that this was his he didn't come back in the return like i wanted to my hope yeah. was that audrey and 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 they could uh, john would yeah. be together i mean they deserve like yeah uh, yeah um i have so many questions about billy zane but we need to move here, on because <laughs> we, we only have 20 minutes left. here's what i love about this scene and why i think it's important okay is david lynch is very clear about his delivery method and it isn't the the receiver of the art shouldn't be dictating the art. So timing is a very important thing today. We've talked about this before about uh, who gives a shit how long a scene takes, uh-huh. like all that kind of stuff. This is you've been building two long seasons of this show to this climax that everyone knows is gonna be the end. In the middle of it, I'm going to give you fucking three and a half minutes of a man walking across a marble floor (laughs) to go get a glass of water. Like, it's take time to reset, meditate, do what you need to do, and let it settle in. You don't stop. Slow down. David Lynch really wants you to hydrate. He's really, really all about drinking water. (laughs) Well, and it kind of is a callback to the first episode of the second season. I think, God, I hope yeah. I got that right. When when Cooper had called Harry and said, I know who killed Laura Palmer. No, what am I thinking of? When he said, I know who killed Laura Palmer. And then they sit down to breakfast. That's, that's, yes. or, that's like the second or third episode of the show. Oh, okay. That's Bad. that's right after the third episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When the but the, like of just this... but the fir- but the second season season premiere is the really long back and forth with him oh, and with the, the waiter Jorka? and the milk. Yeah, and yeah. it's taking forever and everyone would just wants to know who just shot Cooper. Right, right. And so it's it's him 
actively making an effort to tell you to slow down. Mm-hmm. And that's what this scene is. It's it's a moment to say, like, I know you really want to know what's going on in the red room right now. Right. Because that stuff's interesting. But slow down. You right. love all of these characters. Let's take a moment. Mm-hmm. Take a beat. Let it wash over you. Let it settle. Like, the way we talk about it, we like having a week between episodes He's even doing that within the same episode. Sure. Take a minute. I'm going to give a week scenes. in an episode. Have exactly. fun. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So Audrey uh, chains herself to the bank vault. And then we have Pete and Andrew come in with the key that they stole from under the cake saver. Mm-hmm. You know, a cake saver like we all have in our house. Um, <laughs> they explode the bank. The note says, got you, Andrew. Love, Thomas. So that's that. So ostensibly, who do we have dead? Andrew? Pete? The old guy? Del Nibbler. Del Nibbler. Nibbler? Nibbler. And fun with Nibbler. And ostensibly, Audrey. Audrey. So, yeah, until season... But that's Three the beauty back. of like bombs and stuff is sure. <laughs> that, there's ways out of that. You've you've written yourself a, an out, you know, right. back door. Uh, we cut back to the Double R Diner where Bobby, Shelley, they basically recreate that adorable Seconds waitress scene. I love Bobby, Bobby Briggs so, so much. Same. I, he's same. so I, yeah. fucking handsome. It's really like And unfair. especially now. He is... Damn, he glowed up. <laughs> he is, yeah, he is. I just adore him. Movie. He's another one of those characters that I hated when I first started watching the show. And then I read uh, mm-hmm. Jennifer Lynch's The Diary of Laura Palmer, that book. And mm-hmm. that book made me fall in love with Bobby Briggs. And then at the first wow. time I re- definitely recommend reading it, the first time I rewatched the show after reading that book, I was like, oh my God, I love you, Bobby. I would, I will die to protect you. Because he's just <laughs> like, he really is trying so hard. And I yeah. kind of love this moment too at the in the in this diner, this like bastion of wholesomeness. He's finally mm-hmm. able to be out and about with Shelley. He like has reached mm-hmm. a, a a good place with his parents and his dad. Mm-hmm. And then Sarah Palmer comes in, dropping the darkness bomb in the middle of all of this. <laughs> yeah, Ugh, she loves it. Um, Which I love Grace and Breeze. Possibly is, the ugh. only evil so or darkness related thing that's ever happened in the double r and my theory is that the only way that the darkness could have come into the double r is through is like trojan horsed in sarah palmer yeah uh, yeah yeah that makes sense Ugh, i wish we had yeah that's legit. five times like as much sarah palmer in this whole series yeah she she got done real bad she should have been in a lot more i adore her uh, so yeah. Sarah Palmer delivers a message to Major Briggs in a garbled voice. I'm in the Black Lodge with Dale Cooper. I'm waiting for you. Who's I? Windemere. Love Windemere or Bob? Is is she who? Yeah, is she relaying a message or for Windemere? Like, well, that's the thing is at this point because time runs so differently, and, and you see that mm-hmm. a little bit later on where. Uh, Clearly, not that much time has passed as as, as Cooper is experiencing it. But uh, uh, Harry and Andy are like he has been in there for ten hours. Ten hours. Yeah. Um, Time time is a little bit weird. So this might have been the moment where Wyndham Earl gets his soul taken away by Bob. So it could be Bob. Oh. Yeah. It is kind of like the land the witch in the wardrobe, isn't it? That like but reverse that he thinks he's been there for a couple minutes, and they're like he's been in there all night. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, or, I like or that the idea. same th- like 
Or is this going back to like giving you information about why Sarah has this yeah, ability why to connect? Is she, is Sarah, is the Sarah we know and love that's living in the real world of Twin Peaks a doppelganger? I always thought, I mean, that you have that sh- that moment between Donna and uh, and Maddie where they're talking about how, you know, my aunt's always been spooky. She's always, I think uh-huh. Sarah, yeah. I don't necessarily think that she's uh, bad or good or a doppelganger. She just has a sensitivity to it and has the ability to. Right. Or like she's a. Sorry. She's a what? No, I was going to say like she's a conduit kind of. Yes, she is. She's definitely a conduit. And the. Uh, this scene I love because I, anytime we're in the double R, I love. But I also the scene that is very close after this, where Andy and uh, and um, Harry are sitting there on the log. I think that moment is actually the like the epitome, the distillation, the everything <laughs> of Twin Peaks. Yeah. These two men trying really hard to do the right thing. They are sitting there, literally in the face of like an un, in, in unfathomable cosmic horror, and Andy's like. Do you want mm-hmm. some pie? Will pie make it better? And yeah. Harry's like, yeah, and, actually, I do want and some all pie. all of it is, yeah, little by little, it's, there's like a 10, 12, 15 second gap before he responds Ugh. every it, time. It, that to, that like, scene is really, really trying to understand it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, I think that's a It's actually my favorite scene in the whole episode. As much as I love anything in the Red Room, I think that moment is just Harry looking into the pit of of evil and thinking, yeah, I definitely want a blue plate, or I definitely want a a plate special with dessert. Blue plate special, yeah. (laughs) And the fact that Harry is there himself. Like, I need to be here and wait for my friend. I I know. I, I could assign a whole patrol to just keep an eye on it and every four hours we rotate shifts to see if anyone comes out. Right. No, I am staying here mm-hmm. and I am staring down this circle of trees yeah. because I have to because this is my friend mm-hmm. and this is a person who is important to me. And I that's just wonderful. Well, their friendship to me is the, the pivot on which Twin Peaks operates to me uh, harry is mark frost and cooper is david lynch and it's that perfect marriage between like the pedestrian small town wholesomeness Mm -hmm. with all the small town drama and problems and the weird bizarre ununderstandable Mm -hmm. horror of and strangeness and the friendship between those two and that's the that is the axis on which this moves (laughs) yeah i've never made the frost to truman connection but that's delightful <laughs> the the i i don't get it but i support it yeah <laughs> I, I mean i can like, imagine I so all it. of yes. their conversation i remember uh when yeah. the the secret history of twin peaks came out i went to see mark frost speak mm-hmm. about it and they were talking about their writing process mm-hmm. and david lynch was describing episode eight of the of the return where it's just a sequence of something blowing up and mark was like great so that'll be about a page and 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 mark's and mark frost <laughs> looked up and said and david looked at me and said no mark that's 22 minutes and mark is just like <laughs> okay like i but that's i just imagine all of their conversations yeah. are exactly like the way that cooper and harry talk to each other that's delightful that's I very like that good a lot. uh so we're in the black lodge we have the man from another place he's telling uh who tells cooper they're in a waiting room and he offers cooper some coffee um, and then he says, "Sir, if you can hear our dog make noises, she just Sorry, decides just she needs to It's okay. Noises. My cat's been yelling about dinner for the past half hour. So, <laughs> is that like four o'clock where you are? 
Yeah. They're hungry. (laughs) (laughs) So the man from another place tells Cooper, when you see me again, it won't be me. Uh, Laura Palmer appears in that black dress that I'm obsessed with. Ugh, Laura. Um, My love. She says she'll see Cooper in 25 years and then says, meanwhile, making a strange gesture with both of her hands. What does meanwhile mean, everyone? What the fuck does it mean? It's exactly that. Meanwhile, there's all this other stuff going oh, on. Me, I, I have two ideas. What about do the that gestures that I like. mean? The it's meanwhile. We're this is where we are, and we're here in this suspended time place. But I, what I kind of thought about that I, I made up myself, and it probably isn't accurate in any sense. But I like. There's no wrong answers. She, no wrong exactly, answers with that's what I love. Right? Is she mentions the line about. I am dead yet I live and I see the symbol of her hands being live, upright, dead across. I'm dead and I live and I live in the middle ground in between. That's very good, Michael. Or I exist in the middle ground in between. I'm dead I am dead, yet I live is across and upward hand moment hand motions. And it I love that. I think the key like it's it's the idea is there's life, there's death, find the middle. There's good, there's evil, find the middle. The coffee is liquid, the coffee is solid, find the middle. Huh. Like, it's everything is about the duality of both polar extremes and find that middle ground. And I think that's just another hmm. example of that. Yeah, the coffee turning to oil is like one of my favorite moments. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite moment is Cooper's face. So he so so he gets past a cup of coffee. He turns around so we can see that it's liquid. <laughs> when it starts to spill, he goes, oh. Yeah. yeah, it's so cute. This, this moment where he's it's afraid so of spilling things in the red room. Yeah. And this like, and, you know. And he's so stern and serious during that whole sequence. So it's like, oh. I honestly. I it's have- delightful. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it seems to me like he genuinely didn't mean to spill it because his reaction is so, like... Like, like he didn't know what cup was in his hand. Yeah, The pop guy just put it there and it was like, tip it and see what happens. (laughs) Anyway, that's the sound he makes in my head. Um, One of my my favorite takes on on Twin Peaks is there's a writer that I know, um, A.A. Levine, and she wrote about how... oil and corn are used so heavily as metaphors in Twin Peaks and uh, and she thinks mm. it's um, you know a, a David Lynch sort of in his weird David Lynch way commenting on the, the evils of this country that are all built on corn and oil and uh, how they have ravaged the land and how they are like sort of the original evil in, in this world and so Dale sitting there with his cup of like nice wholesome beloved black coffee and as it turns to oil while he's sitting there in the red room is just like such a, uh, a poignant heavy moment. So do you both think that it's supposed to be specifically oil? Because I always read it as just like, a th- like it's supposed to be, the coffee is thick now. Oh, no, I think, think it's, it's definitely be, oil. I always thought. Yeah, I, yeah. I've, always, I've always got it as this is different states of existence. Hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so the elderly man, you know, waiter, oh, coffee, we did this. The, he, um, so the, what's his name, Senior Drupa? <laughs> Senior, I mean, he, it's not his real name. No, no, it's his Christian name. Um, <laughs> they referred to him as Senior Drill Cup. Yeah. 
Um, Robert Rosenfield. So he's replaced by the giant who sits down next to the man from another place. I don't know why I love the scene of the two of them together. I love them. The the duality. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, to it's, me, the um, the dancing man is, like, the sort of the host of the Red Room. And to me, the giant always is a, belonged in the White Lodge. You know, the giant is a force for good. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny to me, to, to if you look at the series from that way, is that the giant is trying to help Cooper. And if you look at the, mm-hmm. the series as a whole, all three seasons and fire walk with me he's always trying to help him but because he's not human and is some sort of otherworldly entity he likes just like uh i don't what do you need more milk sure that's what humans that's helpful (laughs) for humans like he's just trying so hard uh-huh. It's a lodge entity not entirely understanding humanity and i feel like it's the same way at the very end of the the episode with the whole thing where he's like i need to brush my teeth Mm mm-hmm that's I am human. human yes. <laughs> like it's it's that same thing of like I'm trying to learn humanity. Yeah. Yes. Um the man from another place so after the coffee situation, uh the man from another place says, Wow Bob wow, fire walk with me. Wow Bob Wow is such a perfect I little pa- to- is it is, is it a palindrome when it's forwards it and backwards? Is a yes. And it's and what I, Audrey I, I, says I, in the first episode. It is, and I've said a couple times throughout this series, and I don't remember what I said it initially for, but there, once in a while, Mark Frost or whoever is writing, they'll write just like a two or three word phrase that's so good, I'm mad at it. Like, <laughs> I'm mad that somebody could find this like magic in three words in a way that like Well, I... what's beautiful about it too is that you've learned that, okay, there's saying the sentences phonetically backwards and Uh then reversing that tape so that it sounds forward yeah but it sounds weird and then you say wow 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 which is it's reversed so it still sounds weird is it but it's accurate phonetic palindrome like if I said wow bab wow and you just reverse that, I bet I could do it in editing if I I don't see yeah try it there you go I don't see drop that into the drop that into the show wow bab wow yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'm really gonna pad my resume with some uh, some <laughs> audio. Because if, if, if you you read things phonetically backwards in order to do that effect, right. so if you were reading Bob, you would read Bob. Bob. Wow. Wow, Bob. It wow. depends on just how much hanger at the end of that second B that you I could lose stuff. hours trying to do phonetic palindromes. I think. But yeah, that is absolutely one. I think. Um, anyway, fire walk with me. The room erupts into flames and begins to flicker between light and darkness. Cooper leaves the room, entering another one that looks exactly the same. He, refer- he returns to the first room where the man from another place says, wrong way. Uh, Cooper goes back to the second room. He sees the man from another place laughing and saying, another friend. Maddie appears, says, watch out for Wearing my cousin. Wearing the same dress as Laura. Then disappears. Okay, so hmm. we have... Okay, is in y'all's opinion, is it does he keep walking into the same room over and over, or are there multiple waiting rooms? There? There's multiple waiting rooms. There's it's it's the the everything has its doppelganger, even the red room, huh? And the hallway, even sometimes mm-hmm. there's a statue in that hallway. Sometimes there's not. Oh, I thought there was always a statue. No, sometimes I, there isn't. Sometimes I I feel like I when I've seen it, this is the first time it occurred to me that there were multiple rooms when I had the first few times I've seen this, I've always assumed he is like, maybe this is because literally these are the nightmares I have of like, 
you keep going around in circles and ending up in the same place. And you're like, okay, I'll try this one now. And it's the same thing. That's exactly it. It's dream logic. It's if I open this door again, it'll be something different. If I open this door again, it'll be something different. But that's the dream logic of this place. And this was always meant to be a dream world mm-hmm. via David Lynch. But the script forced him to have a physical place to go to because the sure. other writers wrote it that way. Mm-hmm. So he went with that. But this whole sequence, there was a whole... If you read the original script, this is where I was talking about. Oh, okay. This was like a whole thing. He gets there, and Window Merle confronts him in this doctor office-type location, or this dentist office-like location, and Cooper's strapped to a chair, and Window Merle is confronting him about taking your soul in replacement for this Annie. Little top, little step of and, then, and then the dentist pulls off his mask, and it's Bob what? with this giant syringe. And and then he's about to put the syringe in to take Cooper's soul, and Laura Palmer grabs his hand and pulls it away. What? And it's this whole bizarre, like bizarre, but in like a bad horror movie bizarre whereas mm-hmm. this bizarre is so much more fascinating huh. I don't know I'm I like things being quick... more open into interpretation for sure agreed, yeah, for sure. agreed. What you... I was just going to say I'm going to put a pause I know we're at 6.30 our time Yeah. if we need to if we want to keep going, we can come. No, I, 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 I unfortunately have to uh, have to, have to okay. bounce I'm so sorry <laughs> No, no, no. Do not worry. Um, I knew I wasn't going to be able to cram this yeah. all into an hour. So um, we're going to, yeah, we'll, we'll probably keep going, Jess and I. Yeah. So we had a, we had a, unfortunately, we, yeah, we're at time. There's a lot to digest in this episode. Um, but Mallory oh, yes, joined us and this is incredible. Do you have any overarching or final thoughts or ideas or anything that you want to throw out at us before we let you go? Sorry, my cats are <laughs> Sailor. My cats who are named after David Lynch characters. Um, <gasps> who are they? Tell me. Sailor uh, Ripley and Lula Fortune uh, from Wild at Heart, nice. which is my favorite David Lynch movie. <laughs> very good, very good. I, I love them. They actually were supposed to be Audrey and Cooper, but they don't have that. Uh, they don't have those personalities. They are not. Definitely not a Cooper and definitely not nice. an Audrey. Well played. Um, uh, I mean, I just, I love this episode. I think it's amazing. The end of it is fantastic. And as much as it is a cliffhanger, I actually do think that uh, the ending of this episode very, very, works very, very well as an ending to the entire series if it needed to be. And I love that Fire Walk With Me is the mm-hmm. opposite of every, that every, opposite thing that every fan wanted. It is not a continuation, but is rather a... Yep. Uh, a prequel is it feels like david lynch saying yes the things that you're not the the other things that you care about are not important the thing that is important is the story of what happens to this girl and this idea of evil Mm -hmm. and how how can we fight it and if it's if it's even possible to fight it that's something that's very i think that david lynch plays with all the time is that can you have good without evil and how things Mm -hmm. balance Mm -hmm. out and is do we deserve to have the bad cooper in our world uh after having the good cooper in it for so long and uh i think it's a uh, really fun stuff to meditate on and uh i i absolutely i adore it i love this episode <laughs> oh that's so good Same. um 
So, do you, um, where can we find you? What would you you would you like to talk about your books? Uh, folks can find me on social media at Mallory O'Mara. Uh, my website malloryomara.com. Um, my paperback for my book my my first book came out this year the lady from the black lagoon uh it is julie and julia but for monsters so if you are love weird feminist nonfiction, i am your girl uh if you want to hear more podcast stuff every week i co-host the podcast reading glasses with my friend bria grant where we talk about uh reading and uh reader culture it's over on maximum fun uh it is it is a blast it comes out every thursday Sweet. And and of course the women of David Lynch. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I have, that, uh, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I have a I have an episode about uh Norma Jennings in there and how I think that um oh, an episode. <laughs> uh I I yeah, it's a I I my essay's basically about how I think that um the re- the double R diner is the counterpoint to the Black Lodge in Twin Peaks. Yeah. I'm I support that entirely. I'm very excited. So much. Um, if Mallory, if you ever want to, we're gonna do what Firewalk with me next week, and then jump right into the third season. Is that our plan? Yeah. So if you ever want to, probably be missing pieces too. But yeah. Yeah, but I'm so sorry if the cats are so loud right now. I honestly can't Can't hear hear them. Okay. but but if you ever like doors open if there's any particular episode you'd like to discuss we oh, are awesome. always here um mallory thank you so so much coming for... to the forefront i think episode 15 16 well, with norma give, i like it i don't want to give any i don't David, spoilers no we've gone two seasons without giving spoilers I you can't ruin it in the last wine. anyway um <laughs> anyway mallory thank you so so much for your time um we're 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 both so happy to talk to you and um, and we will drop some links in our notes. Excellent. Sweet. All right. Awesome. Thank you Thank so much. You. Mary. We'll talk Have to a you good soon. night. You too. Thank Bye. You. Okay. Okay. All right. We're back. So, so what do you really think about Mallory? <laughs> Just no. kidding. Are you deeply in love with her? Or yeah, she was great. Yeah. No, she was so wonderful. That was wonderful. I wish we had more time. Just yeah, I really tried to. This blaze. is a this is a tough app, but like even the parts that don't seem quote-unquote important right are important and mean a lot so it's hard to digest this entire episode in an hour yeah in, in with a time constraint so that was a tough you know tough loss she was great but she's great she's so I, yeah so fucking smart it's yeah for sure um, um cool. she this is great i also like this this came up while we were off mic you know closing out that segment but uh, segment we have segments now <laughs> apparently but since we're back um, I want to actively apologize to the family of David Lander since we in last week's episode we, we talked some pretty big shit about Mr. Pinkle um, and his well here's the thing I don't know if I'm apologizing it's just a weird feeling because Pinkle was awful to some of these women in but I'm sure the, the previous episode. Nice. But then the actor who plays Pinkle, David Lander, like died a few days later. It and was... I, I saw that and then I felt really bad about it that we were like <laughs> ragging. But like it was his character. Yeah, it was his character's like, fault. It's um... just I, – I just like legitimately my – I saw the announcement of it. I I saw it on Twitter because Michael McKeon That's the thing announced like, it. Michael to McKeon me. doesn't know it, but in my head he's like my dad slash uncle. Yeah. And so the fact that Michael McKeon is sad is why. Who I'm is sad. obviously the Lenny to his Squiggy. Yeah. Um, 
but he mentioned whatever, and I saw that he had died. And my first reaction was, oh, we talked mad shit about we that dude really like last week. Not even like. Yeah. Uh, so I felt, our... I felt genuinely bad about that. And yeah. I just wanted to put that out there. But yeah. So RIP, we're losing a lot. So let's go back to the Red Room, not Black Lodge, Meet as we've determined. Room, close the door and dim the lights. What? Do you remember that song from Blood Rouge? Oh. There's a red room in Moulin Rouge, and I'm three glasses of wine in, and this is the portion of the night when I start talking about Moulin Rouge. Um, and Mikey's hiccuping, we're both a mess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mallory left just in time. Oh, Mallory, you're too good for us. Now that you're sticking with these two boneheads, <laughs> let's get into the singing songs and hiccuping realm. <laughs> for our next segment, singing songs and hiccuping. <laughs> Here we go. Mallory is the the first guest we've had that I've genuinely never like spoken to before tonight. Um, And also probably. I guess John Bernardi I hadn't. But we'd been in touch. Yeah. Um, But she. It's just also weird too because yeah we don't we don't know her well but like I have no idea like how much people know about Twin Peaks. Like, yeah, there's I'm a few people I start talking things and they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't I'm know I'm generally in charge of booking guests because I'm the only one who knows anyone in this family. No, you're the only one who wants to talk to people. Okay, that's fair, actually. But Mallory was great. I, I could, I know people who would probably be pretty good, but then I gotta, like, talk to them and like, ask them. Like, real talk, though, if I got you her book for Christmas, would you read it? Or Absolutely. Would you? Would you? About the, I mean, it's not her book. No, 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 the, the one she wrote about the... Yeah, honestly, I the reason I didn't look into getting it was because I thought it was just a collection of yeah. essays from the Blue Rose magazine, mm-hmm. which... I have a subscription to. Well, I'm already done with your Christmas shopping, so if you okay. want to buy that for well, yourself. Well, I can get it for you. You could get it for me, I guess. And then, like, you can let me read it if you don't want to. Is this, to, like, the fine. bowling ball named Homer? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> boy, oh boy. Okay, should we get back into this thing? I'm excited. We have 50 minutes until our pizza gets yeah, here. Yeah, and it's... just does his job, uh, right? For and the it's first funny time. because, like... My notes are done now. Like oh, I, I like I was take I try to take some notes of things that come to mind as I'm watching the episode. And basically at this point, the last note I have is about the coffee changing sure. status. I and lo- not I like I just get lost in this moment. I just mm-hmm. stopped oh. taking notes and looked and watched this yeah. Yeah, thing because I do- just get so absorbed in all of it. The way it just Darts like it matched like the dream logic of like you're here now and now you're here and now this is this is Caroline but it's not Caroline it's actually Annie like that stuff is so real it's I, I think you always whenever you describe and I know you're not the person who came up with it but whenever you describe how David Lynch is really into dream logic mm-hmm. that two like just those two words just dream logic unlocks a lot of things Mm -hmm. because I like I was saying when when Mallory was on like that idea of I keep going in this I keep going in different doors and I get to the same place like to me Mm -hmm. that's like a reoccurring nightmare that I have yeah is is that kind of thing the thing the thing that gets me that I struggle with is that Uh I don't remember my dreams I think you've already told the dream 
journal story have on I? This. Okay. Yeah. But I don't remember my dreams, and I I feel genuinely kind of hurt by it. Like it yeah. saddens me. The only time I remember anything dreamlike is when I kind of wake up in the morning and then I let myself fall back asleep, like on a weekend or whatever, where I'm gonna get an extra hour. Yeah. That hour of I've already woken up mm-hmm. and then I fall asleep a little bit again, but not all the way. That's the only time I remember anything. And even that I remember like, oh, it was weird. I was like in that old bar that we went to. <laughs> that's all I remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I was there. Like- I don't I don't have stories. I don't have things that happened in it. I don't have ideas or yeah, concepts. Yeah, I do feel the very None of that. We've been together for 11 years now and the very few times you've mentioned dreams that you remember have always been like yeah, I had a dream and your hair was different. And like, that's all you remember. Yeah. Like, something and like, was I probably don't even know you. how it was different. Yeah. I just remember thinking, hey, that's different. But yeah. I am obsessed with, I, I think the use of, of quote unquote dream logic is sort of perfected in this Red Room sequence. Because I was mm-hmm. going to say specifically mm-hmm. when... Caroline and Annie keep swapping out, which I think, it, like, yeah. to me, that's how my dreams are of, like, yeah. you're this person or you're that person. You're occupying the same physical and emotional space, but you might be my high school teacher mm-hmm. or my cousin. Um, that's a good way to put that, the emotional space. I like that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but specifically, though, I what I really like, and I think this is a thing I like in horror. We, Mikey and I are... Now, well, I'm now a big horror movie fan. I used to hate, honestly, I used yeah. to hate horror movies until 2014, 2015. And I think we like. It's when you got this big, strong, buff protector near you. We've been dating since then. No, Dottie. Oh. <laughs> I meant our dog. She's very protective. Um, I honestly feel like uh, Jaws was that unlock thing for <laughs> me. Of I was always, always, always terrified to watch Jaws because when I was younger, I would, I was kind of afraid of being in, like, I'm not afraid of water, but if I'm in, like, a deep end of water or mm-hmm. somewhere I can't see my feet, I get a little panicky, is sure. the best way. Uh, and so I never wanted to watch Jaws. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, I'm scared, but it's an interesting story. And I'm, in, and so now I have, in the last five years, like in my 30s, I've sort of become obsessed with horror movies for whatever reason. And well, my, you unlocked an entire, like, like a fucking eighth of all the fucking movies that ever existed. It's genuinely like if like, tomorrow you're like, I'm in the anime. Like, there's a whole world, world for you yeah, out there. Exactly. Um, but all that's to say is my favorite horror movies are almost always that kind of dream logic. Mm. That sort of like, like we just watched um, The Lodge kind of has that, Relic kind of has that. Oh, of, Relic was, yeah. Of not even dream logic, but you unreliable know, narrator, I guess is a better way to yeah, put it. Yeah, you don't um, have to, it doesn't have to be logistically sound. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I um, my sort of comfort watch thing is in Then There Were None, which is very dorky, but it's one of those things that like, to me, it's, like, just the platonic ideal of, like, what I find scary. Of, like, paranoia, a descent into insanity, hallucinating things, like, what's real, what isn't. I'm really excited to dive into these Lynch movies you've never seen. Yeah, do we want to do that after, like, do season so. three and then a bunch yeah, of Lynch Yeah, I movies? think definitely after season three, but some of these that I'm very curious after 
you saying that, like what you'll think of but I watched, Eraserhead and Mulholland yeah, Drive. Yeah, but I watched and, Mulholland Drive and I wasn't like... When? Um, it was since we lived in this house, so since 2015, 2016. Okay. 2016 would have been. So probably 2017, since 2020. Yeah. Watch it again knowing more about David Lynch now, though. Maybe. Yeah, and I think I like, like, watched it for a purpose as opposed yeah, to just... Yeah, I think, yeah. And it's... Yeah, I think it's... Well, honestly, and this is the thing you and I have talked. I'll probably cut most of this out because it's not to the finale. But like, since weed has been legalized in in Illinois, like if I have like half an edible, all of a sudden I I have terrible ADD, and usually when I have an edible, all of a sudden I can like lock in and focus on a Mm -hmm. thing. And guess what? Movies are much better when you can watch them and aren't distracted by everything around you. It's and so anyway. I think the other thing though that this whole Red Room sequence gets right as far as the dream logic world is time. We talked That doesn't ab- necessarily mean anything. Well, we talked about how, oh, it's been 10 hours in reality in Twin Peaks. Truman is watching, you know, from outside the entrance or whatever. What are you doing? Um, Daddy's yeah. moving in her sleep, so... Um, so he's outside for 10 hours or whatever. We have no idea how long Cooper's been in there. And then there's, you're not only, not only do we not know how long that time is mm-hmm. that he's there, it seems to be jumping forward and back. Like, Wait, talk he, more on that. we know in reality, Cooper's life, he was stacked. In Pittsburgh during the whole Windermere uh-huh. Caroline incident. He walks into the one room and looks down and his stomach, he was stabbed. Mm-hmm. He's bleeding. He goes back. So now he's back in time, sort of. This, this. <sighs> Sorry, you're saying this scene. Instance of Cooper's existence is in, but in a way, but in the dream logic way of this is where I am now. Yeah, There's no I, real logistical time associated with it. But I am back at that time when I was stabbed. But I still look like I do now. Oh, I see what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Well, because it's interesting because when he sees Caroline slash Annie on the floor, mm-hmm. it's always with him. Mm-hmm. So it's not... After he had been stabbed. He's bleeding right, out. Right. Yeah. Huh. But I, I guess for me... I don't know. No, I, I, I'm just, I, at first, I, let me think out loud. And then, at first, I was thinking, I feel like when I have dreams that, like, take place in the past, quote, unquote, the past, it doesn't feel that I am in the past. It just feels like that past moved into my present, if that exactly, makes any which sense. Which is why he's still wearing what he's wearing, mm, but mm-hmm. he knows the emotional pain and whatever of having been stabbed. Interesting. Because I think, like, if I had, I feel like my two most frequent reoccurring dreams are about my friend John, who died in 09, and my dog Ramsey, who died in oh Really? I didn't know you seven, that much about um, John Ramsey. or Ramsey? Ram- uh, John, uh, any traumatic experience sure. is going to be a thing, but... 
and, and I didn't know Ray, that about the, your dog. The dreams are very in. So, oh seven, I so Ramsey, my little poodle terrier mix, growing up, he's twenty pounds. Um, Christmas, I got him in kindergarten. Christmas Eve, oh seven, I guess. He, we let him out, and he just never came back. He was 16 years old. He was old as fuck. So it makes sense to me like that, that I, result. I think I've asked you about that. Do you think, is that actually what happened or did your parents just not tell you he came back? Oh, I, I think that's what actually happened. I think Kevin and I were both old enough that, like we were okay. 21 and 24 at the time. Uh, like gotcha, we were gotcha, old gotcha. enough to, to okay. know what was up. Um, but and, and with Ramsey, when he comes back in my dreams, it's literally just like, oh, there he is. That's always, <laughs> that's always, always, always a thing of like, yeah. ugh. Fine. Like just the way yeah, you're interesting. like, um, and John, it's a little, my friend John died in a single car accident very, very suddenly. And similarly, <laughs> speak of the devil. And similarly, when I dream of him, it's not that I'm going back to 09, where's the last time mm-hmm. I knew him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 2020 or whatever. We're living in this house or wherever my dream is. And he just shows up. I'm like, oh, you're just fucking fine. Your <laughs> emotional connection to this existence is tethered. Mm-hmm. You know, this neural connection. Like, mm-hmm. and that's what I think this Red Room is and is done incredibly. So it's like it, a place out of time and space. It's what I love. Yes, absolutely. But what I love about it is that I feel like if someone were to do this today that wasn't David Lynch, this room, this space would be like an empty white room where anything could be and you Mm -hmm. can put whatever you wanted. But David Lynch instead decided to create a room and make it have a look and have an idea and have a reaction. Like you walk into this room and the red, the first moment you walk into this room, that red is vibrant mm-hmm. like well and especially that's important we're against the verdant northwoods northwest yeah. Yeah. you know area and he's walking like he walks in he's you can see their breath like that's all like all of this this is a different place and what i'm curious about and i'm thinking about this now so this hasn't been thought out is we t- we joke about or we talk about how maybe this isn't the Black Lodge. Maybe this is just the waiting room. Right. Is the waiting room a physical place? Did he transport to some physical place? Or is he stepped through that curtain and he's... There's a physical body of Cooper frozen solid somewhere and this is just mental. This location is... Like a coma? Like a, like a Wizard of Oz type situation? Yeah, a little bit. Which we know is a huge influence, is a on, huge Lynch. influence on Lynch. Yeah. That's an interesting Like, one. is is there a Cooper sitting somewhere wearing what he was wearing, the the jacket and everything, and he's just thinking this stuff and this is all just inside his head? Or did he actually physically transport to another place? I think neither of those and both of those i do not and that's valid (laughs) yeah well when there's no right answers any bullshit i say is valid um i think that i do not think that the waiting room 
with big quotes around it. I don't think the waiting room is a physical space. Okay. But I, and I, I disagree with what Mallory said, that Mallory said the waiting room is a waiting room between the White Lodge and the Black Lodge. I think that this waiting room is more of a waiting room from Earth to the Black Lodge. What about the, where's the waiting room to the White Lodge? Is that different? That's or what is I there th- not one? That's what I think. Okay. Is that this is a specific, I don't know if there's a different waiting room. And again, this is not a well thought out opinion, sure. but like that's kind of what I always got is like, it's this sort of, it's not a mix between heaven and hell. It's a mix between earth and hell. If, if you want to be okay. reductive about it. Um, I, I would lean more toward what Mallory is saying. Like, I think, well, and also I think based on season fault. three, I, sure. I think we see the White Lodge in season three. It's a place that's never identified, but I think we see it. Yeah, well, and also my shit falls apart this, as soon as the giant shows up. So, like, I don't necessarily think I'm right. That's sure. just sort of what my instinct is. When Not even what my instinct is telling me, but, like, when I'm watching it, that's sort but of the also, space I'm in. But also, the giant doesn't show up. The room service waiter shows up. But then becomes the giant. And then the room service waiter sits down. And then you cut back to Cooper, and then you cut back, and the, the man from another place says one and the same, and you see the giant. Maybe the giant's not actually there. Uh, okay. Just a devil's advocate poke a hole. It's so weird for a white guy to play a devil's advocate. That's <laughs> Don't fucking put me in that <laughs> Got you. No. Got you, though. Know. But though, did I get you though? Um, God, I don't know. I I don't. I, don't I just know. And nor and nor I think as Mallory said, is there necessarily a right answer? Right. It's just what what works. Right. And that's exactly this darting around of like, ooh, I have an idea now. Ooh, well, what about this? That's all accurate. Every oh, yeah. every new thought should be negated by another thought, and it should be confirmed by the next thought. Right. Like. All of the, like, the fact that I don't have a single unifying theory to all of this right. is what I love about it. I have a question. Yes. If, so uh, so part of the these last two seasons of Twin Peaks that we've watched, yeah. part of what has been confusing and confounding about it is that there frequent there doesn't appear to be a like as, as we mentioned before like a show bible of this character always does this and this is their like okay. north star um, and that is from what we can tell yeah. a a reflect uh, not a reflection but a result of the fact that Lynch kicked off this thing and then landed the plane and then kind of in between he was a little bit hands off like he sort of left it in autopilot Okay. Um, if you'll forgive this stretch metaphor of flying, do you think that if David Lynch had, and we kind of see it a little bit in the return because David Lynch does direct everything in the return, but if David Lynch in 1990, 1991 had, had his, not just his hands on everything, but like was in the writer's room, was directing everything, do you think you would be as comfortable saying like, well, I think the Black Lodge is X, but I could be wrong? Do you think if David Lynch had his hand on the wheel a little bit tighter, do you think there would be more answers or fewer answers? Did that make I sense? I think there would be more 
answers to what we see, but also more questions. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I think there, I think, I think we would get some more obscure clarity if that means anything. Okay. Like this certain like red room stuff would get more direction and how to access it and the ideas behind it and the the Tibetan method and sure. the transcendental meditation and all the stuff and the ways you get there and I think I think you'd get more clarity on that kind of stuff but he would open up a whole new world of other mythologies that we don't know anything that's about that's fair that actually makes a lot of sense like I mean that's that's what he did with we touched on it with Firewalk with me. Everyone was excited for a, a movie because finally we'll get some answers to this huge cliffhanger. And he's like, no, fuck that. This is all going to happen before. Yeah. And then the same thing with like season three. Everyone was like, oh my God, we're going to find out what happened. And he's like, no. Yeah. If you are like, I, this- I don't, I'm not here to appease anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's here to make his art. Like he loves these characters. And this is, this is what I feel like doing with this character now. If you caught me at a different time in my life, I might have done a different thing with this character. Sure. Yeah, that's what... But you caught me now, and this is what I wanted to do with yeah, that's Agent Cooper or Laura Palmer or whomever. hesitant to say, like, oh, well, if David Lynch had his hands on Twin Peaks the whole time, it would be either clearer or less clear, because maybe, yeah, but, but also... You know, we saw season, we've seen, you and I have seen season sure. three, ostensibly, not necessarily anyone who's listening to this, and like... Sorry, there's no answers at the end of season three, really. Maybe. I mean, it's not that there's no answers. There's no clear-cut answers. There's no beginning, to middle, what? end. To anything. I mean, there's there's arcs that are closed and opened, but, like, you do not, you do not turn off the end of season three and think, like, okay, I actually get everything that happened in Twin Peaks. Like, it doesn't come in. It, it's not, like, tied up with a nice bow. But oh, sure. But if, but that was also in 2017. If Lynch had done this in 1990, maybe he would have been more yep. apt to like try to make things a little bit tidier and put a package on it. But that's also been a criticism or critique or whatever about this finale is, as they were, f- the show went on that hiatus that it went on for a little while, and they basically all but canceled the show. Mm-hmm. And there was virtually no chance of the show coming back. Uh-huh. And so this episode and Lynch coming into on set and throwing away a script mm-hmm. and doing what he wants is a little bit of a fuck you to the network. Sure. And he intentionally put some shit out there that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let people ponder on this for a while because fuck you. Yeah. The whole thing was you, you never got me from the get go. And he was pissed about it. Sure. And I think that's legit. What we should do now is jump back into where we left off. We went on a bit of a tirade of overall whatever, but we should jump back into actually where we specifics. So Cooper returns to his first room and he finds it empty. Hmm. And then an evil looking man from another place appears. So this is the first time we see people. This says whiteout cataracts but like to me it just feels the like contacts, yeah. yeah the which they, is so yeah it seems like it's a symbol of 
capital E evil or something when D- the like or the doppelganger, which is the doppelganger is the idea is that there's a polar opposites good and evil version, right? And the doppelganger, the way we refer to it by that title, is the evil version of sure of meant from another place or whomever. Yeah. What um, I think is interesting is the idea, and that's that's what I take from the whole coffee thing of him pouring the coffee out and stuff, is there's a pure good version. There's a pure evil version. Nobody is that. Those entities live in the Black Lodge. They live in the White Lodge. Mm-hmm. The real you human. that is out there is pieces of both of those. Sure. And I think they're like... You know how you know I don't know if you know in the the business world when they try to make things sound good and they say we're right sizing a company. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's and like capitalist bullshit. Right, but you know what I mean? Like that it's idea. Like some shit that Mitt Romney used to do. That feels like what is going on with Cooper. I think for so long we had a Cooper out in the real world who was way too good. Okay. And what is happening here is the evil is counteracting that. The evil Cooper, the evil doppelganger. Because we don't have... He's too good. Okay. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think what the Lodge world, not White Lodge, not Black Lodge, is trying to say is that evil isn't always bad. What good good isn't always it can sometimes be bad. You, it's the emotional swings and stuff. You need to live in the middle. Mm-hmm. Who you are as a person in humanity is good and evil combined. And I think that's the middle coffee or whatever. <laughs> like the oil coffee. Yeah, I I never I never picked an oil idea to it. I I get that. I mean, there's a direct correlation. Glass and all of the scorched engine, all of that makes sense. But I want to push back on your idea of like, there's good and there's evil, and we all exist somewhere in the middle. Or is that we all should should exist exist somewhere somewhere in the middle? Okay. Then with your with your, I just want to extrapolate out from your logic to see if it because I'm not sure if I agree with you or not, so I'm just going to think out loud mm-hmm. here for a sec. Um, so then, jiving with your idea would be the solid coffee, the one he couldn't, the one that was solidified, mm-hmm. is a symbol of evil. Or good. Doesn't doesn't really matter. The polar opposites don't really, aren't necessarily represented. Well, then, I guess, so, okay, so here's my problem, is... However, those polars are represented, whether regular black coffee is good or evil or represents mm-hmm. whatever. How he ends with the quote unquote middle is, is this thick, syrupy, tar like substance, which isn't a recognizable thing for us. It, it, to me, it's like, okay, well, you want some good, you want some ev- evil, and you mix them together and you get this whatever. But like, he ends up with oil or tar or at best some thick ass coffee which isn't 
I, I don't but know. I think I, I think the idea is that it's changing your perspective on things. We saw Cooper as like this guy's perfect and he's great and whatever, and he drinks dark black, black coffee. coffee. Like that, he's still got an underbelly. We see teases of it, sure. and I don't I don't think that the coffee is like this to... is the right coffee or the wrong coffee. And right. I think because we know coffee. That's what we're applying Coffee's to it. Friend. Do you know what I mean? And I, I, I think, and I could be wrong. During the credits of this episode, it doesn't do the picture of Laura Palmer right. like it normally does. It does that coffee, and I think that's the middle coffee. I think so too. And and then halfway through the credits, her face appears in it. Interesting. And okay. I think Laura, by letting herself. Be killed. She didn't. What? You made a face. Oh, I'm not crazy about letting herself be killed. Oh, we're going to get into that and fire walk with yeah, you. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. She absolutely surrenders herself to death. Okay. And I, I that's. I mean, I haven't seen fire walk yeah. for me in a hot minute, so. She does that. And because the fact that like. Bob was feeding off of her. Oh. And it was the idea of like a vampire. Should we like, save this for Fire Walk With Me discussion? Maybe. I don't want to. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go loose. Um, it's the vampire idea of, or like the idea of you can, you can um, skin, a, skin a sheep only once. You can shear them hundreds of times. You know what I mean? Like expression. There's something like that. I probably got it wrong. But the idea of you can shear a sheep many times. You can only skin them once. Okay. That's what Bob was doing to Laura. He's constantly feeding off of her. Uh, so by letting herself die, you can't get me anymore. Interesting. That idea. And it's, that sounds evil, mm-hmm. but is it? And that's that middle ground. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm seeing or getting from all of this. Sure. Um... So an evil-looking Laura... <laughs> I'm curious to listen back to this episode to be like, what the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> um, an evil-looking Laura Dopper, doppelganger with the same cataracts or contacts or whatever says, meanwhile, which is one of those things that pops in my head all of the time, and I think I often say it out loud. Just the way she meanwhile, says Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Yeah. Like, there's just something yeah. very satisfied it's, about it's saying great. it. Meanwhile. I'm um, dead, yet I live. Oh, my God. Um, I love that idea, and I've... Never heard anyone else like that's a thing I'm a little bit proud it's of. Great for well, it is. It's one of the few things that I feel like I have an idea behind that I've not heard elsewhere. And I love, and I think has some legs. Yeah, and I love shit like that. I think this is. I think this is the same reason why you were a film major and I was a lit major. Of like, oh, I saw that. I think it meant that. And there's a ninety percent chance that the author, or the director, was like. Oh, no, no, no. She was just doing this thing with her hands. And I was like, oh, can you move them slightly differently? And that's just how her hands ended sure. up. Like, it's the same as but any. The, but he, sim- but that's symbolism. the beauty of, of a guy like David Lynch is that he knows. People dig into it. People, like, he knows how to set something up so that it's got enough loose ends that people can sure. latch on. Sure. Um, uh, Boop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and then Laura screams, uh, scared. A lot. <laughs> a lot of screaming. She is a good screamer. Yeah, she is. 
Uh, scared, Cooper runs out of the room, returning to the other room. The, not that room, but the same room. He's bleeding from the chest, and he's trailed his own blood on the mm. floor. It's more his stomach, but then he's his bleeding chest. from his stomach, and he's trailed blood on the floor. He stumbles back into the first room, sees a woman lying on the floor with his own body. The woman is Annie with her throat cut. A little later, Cooper walks into a room with a shrine-like table to see Annie. She says she saw the face of the man who killed her. It was her husband. She does not respond to the name Annie, and her appearance cha- her appearance yeah. changes to Caroline. That little throne table is great because I was looking for it this time. There's a in Firewalk with me. There's a ring on that table, uh, which ends up playing a much more prominent role in Firewalk with Me in season three. But what's beautiful is that you never see the center of that table, which means you never see where the ring is. Oh, interesting. So the ring may or may not have been there. Sure. Which is a great bit, or like a, you know, nice connection. Carolyn is replaced by Laura and then Wyndham Earl. So I really like, this is a a thing in horror movies that I like, that it's like, it's like a two shot, right? Not a two shot, but like a single shot of two people having a conversation. Shot, reverse shot. Shot, reverse shot. Thank you, Michael. Of that every time it shows him and then shows the person he's talking to, it's somebody different. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I think that's why I, I'm i thinking of ending things. Is I liked it so much, that movie. I'm thinking oh, of ending oh, things. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Because I feel like... <laughs> you, sorry. Just God, note that your of, segue to that was, that's why I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, and and I was like, you, well, um, hello. This <laughs> podcast... Thanks. Uh, no, I think that's the reason I was so intrigued by I'm thinking of any yeah, things. Like is I again. love shit like that mm-hmm. of like you're having just a very simple conversation and the person you're talking to keeps changing. Oh, I Charlie fucking, Kaufman is very good that at that. Movie. Yeah, I would like absolutely. to watch that again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, Caroline is replaced by Laura and then Wyndham Earl. Annie watches and, his... And Caroline and, and Annie are wearing the same dress. Uh-huh. Which I'm pretty sure I owned that dress in 1991 <laughs> as well. Um, Wyndham laughs and says if Cooper gives him his soul, if Cooper gives Wyndham Cooper's soul, um, Wyndham will let Annie live. Cooper says yes, and Earl stabs Cooper. There's a burst of flame, and the stabbing rewinds. Bob takes control of Wyndham Earl, saying he cannot ask for Cooper's soul, and will take Wyndham's soul instead. This was the replacement scene of the whole Dennis thing I was talking about. Basically... That idea of you can't willingly give up your soul. It has to be taken. Interesting. Like, you, so, also, Wyndham Earl is not fucking in control. Sure. You're in a fucking world that you don't know. Yeah. You think you do, but like, well, I'm going to save, it, right? like, I'm going to save Annie if you give me, no. You do, that's not your choice you, to make. You're not, fuck you, dude. Yeah. And so Bob is like, you think you're fucking me? Mm-hmm. A fucking entity here? Like, no. You're I'm going to take your fucking soul. And Cooper, you can get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Because fuck that. I'll get you later. Yeah. Um, after a burst of flame, Wyndham Earl goes silent, apparently dead. Cooper leaves the room and an evil doppelganger of Cooper appears behind the curtain. The doppelganger of Leland Palmer with brown hair um, appears in the hall between the two rooms and says, I did not kill anybody. A note about this scene. So fucking happy to see him back in action. Two that I think is interesting. Both 
Cooper and Ray Wise, Leland Palmer's movements in this. His vo- uh, Leland Palmer's voice is backwards, but the movements in this hallway are forward movements. I did notice that. I noticed that just in that hallway, something did not. Every time you're up. in that hallway, it's forward movements. It's not reverse played reverse. Hmm. And normally, Cooper's the only one in that hallway. Why? Why is, Why is Leland in that hallway? Yeah. He's not in a room. He's not... What is he doing there? Right. It's weird. And then you see at that point, the other Cooper comes out and all three of them. Sure. There's two Coopers and a Leland in there. And that is a thing I've thought about a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't have an answer for. Mm-hmm. The real Cooper runs back and forth between rooms. It seems he cannot get out. The doppelganger Cooper catches up to the doppelganger of Cooper catches up to real Cooper and Bob's face briefly appears and laughs, which is always. So that's right at the exit. Yes. The, so they're Cooper. Basically Cooper is frantically good. Cooper is frantically running to the entrance exit to this place. Uh-huh. And right at the curtain line is when you see. Bob. Doppelganger catch up to him, and then Bob sneaks up front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So you don't know who got out, what got out. Mm-hmm. Is this Cooper? The, but the two of them connected. So sure. is this the doppelganger replaced Good Cooper? Is this a combination of the two Coopers? Did they become connected and got out? I don't know. It's it's. Interesting. Like, I just, I love this idea. And I, I love that this is where season three picks up. Mm-hmm. Uh, at nightfall, Harry finds Cooper and Annie lying in the forest by the circle of trees as the red curtained gateway to the Black Lodge disappears. Not only disappears, but also turns into a spotlight. Which is how, loves his spotlight, but that's how you always see Cooper's reaction to. Mm-hmm. Only this time, there's we no usually th- just see the giant in the spotlight, right? You see the giant. Um, you see Bob and the little man on the bed when Josie dies. Sure, but of that, but those visions of the lodge entities uh-huh. that Cooper spot. has are always in spot, and this, and you see the spot too when. Bob is attacking Maddie in mm. that episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, But you see a spot, like the curtain disappears and you still see a spot where mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. a spotlight. And I think that's just an interesting, I don't know, visual effect. Sure. Cooper wakes up in his bed at the Great Northern Hotel. Cooper asks about and excuse me, Cooper asks about Annie and Harry tells him that Annie is at the hospital and will be all right. Cooper gets up out of bed and tells Harry and Doc Hayward that he needs to brush his teeth in a very stilted odd way. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's a very flat delivery. Mm-hmm. Once in the bathroom he begins to put But even te- even before he gets to the bathroom he stops it. He says I need to brush my teeth and, gets and, the, and they're like okay oh, that's fine. He Which gets is up, weird but not sure. Out and then he stops halfway there turns around and says I need, I need to brush my teeth and they're like and Truman even gives Hayward like a look like, okay, uh-huh. that's bizarre. Yeah. 
but it's like we were talking about of that idea we mentioned earlier of the idea that it's an entity of sorts trying to learn humanity. Sure. This like this is this whole segment reminds me a lot of Us, which I know you're a big fan of. Mm-hmm. The movie Us. The not movie Mike Us. Mike and my relationship. Yeah, we're fucking <laughs> weird, man. No, the movie, the Jordan Peele movie that came out a couple years ago. Um, but that idea me. of like the the people who haven't experienced the world. The entities, I should say, that haven't experienced the world don't get it, and they're trying. They're mimicking. Yeah, they're mimicking what. And they that's see. what, like, oh, what do people do? This, the, these human humans, they brush their teeth like two, three times a day. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll have them do that. And it's yeah. bizarre. And then, and then there's the metaphor of once you've let the toothpaste out, you can't put it back in. Sure. Um. Once he's in the bathroom, Cooper begins to put toothpaste on a brush and then squeezes the tube's contents into the sink. He slowly raises his head, looks into the mirror, and smashes his forehead into it, shattering and bloodying the glass. Uh, Bob's face appears in the mirror, revealing that this is actually the doppelganger. As Harry and Doc knock on the door, uh, Cooper, quote-unquote, maniacally repeats, How's Annie? and laughs uncontrollably, which is genuinely... Terrifying. Terrifying. So good, In my terrifying. soul, it's scary. Yeah. Um, and that's the end. Oh, Daddy farted in the living room. I had to come over here. Uh, um, and that's the end of season two, which for a long time was the end of Twin Peaks. Yes. Yeah. Um, we have pizza coming in in eleven minutes. So, yeah. is there anything you'd like to wrap up, or can I go? I mean, later? I don't. What? Is <laughs> it? So we're gonna go later. I'm very tired. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. Like, it's. I feel like there's like any single shot any single line of dialogue any single moment can be like we could have done a whole series on yeah like there's you can digest and and dissect and look into every single second of this episode and it's so thought out and it's just fascinating and counterpoint it's not thought out it's just lynch's sort of whims and that's it what's, feels coherent that but and that's what's crazy is that in reality that's exactly what it is mm-hmm. it's you wrote this whole fucking thing there's some decent ideas in there fuck all that i'm gonna shoot what i'm gonna shoot right and brought in sylvia horn and fucking heidi and right. brought the log lady back and brought sarah palmer back and brought all these fucking characters and like it's just all so I don't know. Is it sad? Is it triumphant? Is it how does it Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it it is. To me it's, it it ends to me I, in a very deep I was sad. Like I I have constantly heard and I like I've always heard from critics and fans alike or whatever about this oh man what a brutal cliffhanger and to me this was never a cliffhanger really this to me was always the end it was it was taking our whole story of what we thought was good in agent cooper and making it bad Mm -hmm. and then 
Laura, which we thought was good, and making it, but like it's flipping everything. Sure. All the, this whole series, all it does is flip everything. Mm-hmm. And to me, it never, I, I never was like, "Ooh, what's gonna happen with Cooper?" I was like, "This is what happened. Yeah. He lost, and that's beautiful." I loved that about this is that it wasn't afraid to give me some fucking Hollywood ending, you know, like it's, I, I just, I yeah, sometimes ne- stories and and sadly. Yeah. This, and, and at the heart of the very heart of this story is absolute trauma. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't it end tragically? Sure. Why it's not wouldn't a happy it? story to be told. Right. So why why would you expect it like everything we won we got the bad guys and everything's good? Sure. No. Yeah. Like nothing about this ever felt like a cliffhanger to me. Interesting. And I like I always felt that this was a great ending. I was obviously very very excited to uh-huh. get you know a revisit and we came back 26 years later or whatever. Got a new series, got a new story to tell. Same thing. I never expected that to to give me resolution. Sure. People thought... Well, it's not the kind of story. People actually religious. thought there was going to be resolution. Sure. In season three. And that's naive. <laughs> At, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. I, I love I love the way this ended. Good. I don't know. No, that's great. Um, I have just officially run out of gas. Okay. So... Um, I guess we will talk to you all next week when we're going to watch Firewalk with me. Yeah, I'm game. All right. Um, if, hey, if this is your first time, so this is absolutely like the end point for the original Twin Peaks. So if this is your first time watching it through, I'd be really curious. You can email us at cooperduperpodcast at gmail.com. Cooperduperpod at gmail.com. at gmail.com. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and let us know how you felt about the end. Just because it's it's interesting. This it's, is a moment. Yeah. yeah. I, this is... And we have so much more to do in our this show that we're doing. Yeah. But really, it ended in 1991, and we're going to see some add-ons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... we got a year and a half later, we got Firewalk With Me, mm-hmm. which didn't add anything to the end of this story. It put more at the beginning and then we gapped for yeah 20 plus year 25 years whatever um but yeah i'd i you know overarching thoughts ideas opinions hit us up at cooper duper pod at gmail.com or cooper duper at cooper duper pod is our twitter mm-hmm. ideas i whatever yeah. like start the conversation yeah Okay, well, uh, boy, oh boy, this is an XL episode. I mean, it has to be. Yeah, of course. Um, Okay, we will talk to you next week, I guess, with Firewalk With Me and beyond. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.